This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, joined once again by my co-host, fellow senior writer Dan Murphy. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Back for another edition of the PWI Podcast. Ready yes. to uh, get going with this thing. And and back from your latest uh, travels, right? You got to see some Ring of Honor recently, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, Ring of Honor was here in Buffalo. I got a chance to go to uh, Global Wars here in Buffalo on Friday night. Uh, I only stuck around for a little bit. I wasn't feeling real well. I've been kind of fighting a, a, the flu, maybe, or a sickness, something, uh, the, the past few days. Uh, so I went, caught the first couple matches, visited some people, saw some Ring of Honor folks backstage. Uh, but then on Sunday, went up to Toronto to see Ring of Honor up there for the big show. Uh, again, only stayed for a few matches because I had some other commitments. I had to leave uh, a little bit early, but... Uh, you know, it was a fun weekend. Ring of Honor really kind of uh, delivered some big shows uh, all together uh, throughout this four-city loop that they did, uh, culminating in Toronto. And uh, it was um, a fun time, good times. And we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, since since we've last talked, Dan, a, a lot's happened. We've got two new world champions. We've got... Um, one of the WWE's signature pay-per-views of the year, uh, Survivor Series, uh, coming up and uh, developments with uh, the women's titles or the women's champions, uh, at least, on both brands. A lot going on. We will get to all that in uh, just a moment. Also later on, going to hear from one of the stars uh, of Ring of Honor as well as a star of New Japan, uh, really one of the hottest stars uh, in the business, returning to the PWI podcast, uh, Cody, the former Cody Rhodes. Uh, This is an interview I conducted with him uh, some weeks back, soon after he won the NWA championship, which he has since lost. Uh, and it was for a feature that is in the current issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, it's got to do, um, the, the, the feature and, and my interview uh, really focuses on the, his uh, family's legacy with the NWA championship. A lot of, a lot of talking about uh, him growing up in a household where the NWA title meant so much. And he talks about, remember seeing it on his father's desk and in his office. And you'll hear all that, but but um, kind of a, a one-topic uh, interview. We also go into All In a little bit. Um, but a real fun chat, and uh, Cody's a super smart, sharp guy. Uh, bold is is the word that comes to mind, and, and there's been some um, developments in the news with him as of late. Certainly a guy not at all afraid to speak his mind uh, about what he thinks about the industry and, and where it's going, uh, regardless of the repercussions. Uh, so uh, you'll hear some of that in just a bit in my interview. Uh, right now, let's talk about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It is the February 2019 issue. I got it in my hand, just got it in my mailbox when I came to the door, so always happy to see this uh, waiting for me. Fantastic photo of Ronda Rousey uh, on the cover, and that's because she is the number one ranked wrestler in the first ever Women's 100. It is the counterpart to our PWI 500 for several years. It's been the female 50. This year, um, we finally got around to giving more space to the ladies of professional wrestling. Um, Dan, you, you largely put that together. Uh, now it's been out for a couple of weeks. What's been some of the feedback you've been getting? 
Man, I've been getting my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Becky Lynch isn't too happy about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. No, I, for the most part, I mean, you know, people are always going to debate the, the women's 100, female 50, PWI 500, whatever, you know, whatever have you. Um, right now, though, Becky Lynch is just such a hot hand. She is arguably the top star in WWE. And it's just kind of. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, weeks. she is uh, certainly coming off this Monday night. We'll go into it a little more, but. but uh, even putting gender aside, yeah. she might be the hottest star in wrestling right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, right now, I think that this coming out, uh, because as we got her all together, I mean, Ronda Rousey clearly was, you know, uh, Becky Lynch didn't win the title until Hell in the Cell, mm-hmm. right at the very tail end of our evaluation period for the Women's 100. And Ronda Rousey, one of the biggest pay-per-view movers and, and most marketable commodities in, in professional sports in the, the 21st century, um, making her number one seemed very kind of like a no-brainer. Uh, but the Becky Lynch backers are out in full force, and, and they kind of took issue with it, which is fine. And, and Becky has kind of played along with that a, a little bit as well, and, and she's kind of... Uh, made a few shots of her own, which is fine. It, it draws more attention to the women's 100. And and again, as I wrote in a, uh, a guest column I did last week for Diva Dirt, uh, the website, uh, the fact that there's this much debate is a good thing. It means people care about women's wrestling. And if people care and are willing to passionately debate it, then that's that's a good testimony uh, for the sport as a whole. And I think it's good for, for Becky in in her own way. I think it just kind of contributes to this character that she's building of sort of the, the disenfranchised anti-hero. And I don't know, and I know that wasn't any of our intents in, in ranking her where, where we did or not ranking her um, in, in that top 10. But, um, and I'm sure she sees it this way too. In a roundabout way, it's probably the best thing for her. Um, in, exactly, in, yeah. In kind of getting over uh, but, uh, you know, we hear a lot about uh, independent wrestlers, male independent wrestlers who really appreciate, uh, their ranking in the PWI 500. Have you heard a lot about, uh, independent women about, about making the, uh, women's 100? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, there, I've heard from, I'd say 60% of the, the women's 100 wow. have, have contacted me, you know, and, and let me know, you know, thanking me or, you know, even if they, you know, thanking or saying, you know, hey, well, this is true, but you mentioned that, you know, this is my finisher. I haven't used that finisher in like a year. You know, this is my finisher now. It's, oh, okay, all right, fair enough, you know, whatever. Um, but but I've heard from at least sixty percent of the people, um, and I've heard from other people who who didn't make the cut, either being whether they're angry or asking, hey, what do I need to do to be considered, or do you have all my information? What do I need to, you know? submit anything along those lines um so yeah it's it's kind of neat because um the women a little bit more so than the men are definitely acknowledging the uh women's 100 you know a lot of the men will kind of blow off the 500 or no sell it a little bit uh, say it's uh, just a magazine i'm just doing my thing uh the women are very happy that there's coverage and that there's exposure and that people are talking about them and are really thankful if they've got a spot. If they don't have a spot, they're looking to see what they can do to kind of lift their game and make a spot and earn a spot, I mean, next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks fantastic. We were just talking before we came on. Uh, the layout's are really something, and, and one thing that I really like is how there is a photo for each and every uh, woman, and, and we were just talking, and it'd be great if we could do something like this for the, the 500, and, and it's probably just wishful thinking, but it really 
looks great on a page. Have it almost sort of like um, little baseball cards, kind of for for all the women. Uh, uh, really looks yeah. fantastic. And and so many people go out and and get those signed. You know, and yeah. They'll get, they'll get the women's yeah, 100 perfect for that. Yeah. previously. Yeah, and and just go to independent shows and see how many you can get to sign each issue. It's 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 really kind of a neat uh, little collector's edition. Yeah, yeah. And elsewhere in the magazine, as I mentioned, uh, my feature on uh, Cody Rhodes. There's a um, fun feature on Roman Reigns. One of these deals that were, you know, the timing of the magazine sometimes is uh, inopportune. We had put this together. It sort of deals with uh, some of the backlash from from fans and looking back on. Um, other wrestlers who've had kind of a, uh, you know, the, the, the title of the article is too big to fail and, and kind of exploring the idea of people who are pushed really hard and, uh, maybe fans didn't always, uh, totally come along. Obviously the timing, uh, with, with, uh, Roman's really unfortunate, uh, departure, not ideal, but, uh, nevertheless, uh, also in here, we've got, uh, the ballot for the, uh, achievement awards. So, um, you guys could uh, go ahead and start voting once you get your magazine. And we've got recommendations, uh, maybe not recommendations, but I'd say top candidates for, for each of the uh, awards. Uh, what else is in here? All our usual columns. Uh, I got to do a Fortnite-themed quick count, which my kids were very excited about. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. And uh, part of the... Um, the Women's 100 is, uh, and kind of burying the lead here, an interview with Ronda Rousey, and, and she doesn't give a whole lot of those. We, we featured it here in our last episode. If you want to read the whole thing, uh, it is in the magazine. And the thing to do is to go to pwi-online.com. You could buy the one issue. You could subscribe. Um, the longer you subscribe for, the deeper the savings. Uh, you could either uh, subscribe for to our uh, print edition, uh, and have it in your mailbox, or you can pick up our digital edition where you could download uh, right to your device, customized for your uh, device, and uh, you get it uh, several weeks earlier. So, uh, again, the thing to do is to go to pwi-online.com. I should mention, we're already starting to talk about uh, what will be a real big issue next year, in addition to kind of our usual tentpole issues, the 500, the Achievement Awards, the uh, women's 100. We've got a 40th birthday coming up uh, next year. Oh, you're, letting, you're letting the cat out of the bag. You're letting the cat <laughs> well, out of the bag. Anybody who can one, count yeah. would figure that out. So, uh, yeah, that's true. yeah, the 40th anniversary edition coming up in a few months. Well, several months, but it, it's coming up this year. Yeah, well, 2019 would be four yeah, years, for, right? it, well, yeah. this year, 20, right? This sure. upcoming year, yes. Is there, a, I don't even know, is there a particular month? I don't know. Well, it, the cover. The cover of it is the October 2019 edition. Okay, so we're still away. Cover, away. yeah. So it's yeah, but I mean, you know, so that means it comes out in what April, March? I don't know. No, I think that would be maybe the way like our August cover is something like that. I don't know. It's so hard to understand. Yeah, all of yeah. It. But that's coming yeah. next year. On top of everything else we usually yeah. do, that'll be a real big one. I'm already starting to kind of collaborate and put together ideas. It should be uh, a real fun one. Forty years old. That is a big one. You know, not a lot of magazines. Not, not a lot of, you know, uh, any kind of print publication that's been around uh, that long. So a real uh, testament to the work we're doing. And it is a real honor to be a small part of it. So anyhow, uh, again, pwi-online.com. Uh, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, also at official PWI. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your podcasting app of choice uh, is. Uh, please leave us a positive review on uh, iTunes, and uh, you can send us an email at pwipodcast at outlook.com. 
All right, let's talk some uh, Survivor Series here. I got to say, it's kind of uh, sometimes flies under the radar, you know, with SummerSlam and WrestleMania and Royal Rumble. Uh, people don't always remember Survivor Series or don't hold it up as a uh, particularly special pay-per-view. But it's one of my favorites. I mean, just as a sort of like 80s WWF nostalgia buff, um, I, I always kind of get a little bit of a kick about the Survivor Series. It's all this time, also this time of year. I just love the fall, and uh, it's it's cool. It just kind of has that sort of like holiday Thanksgiving flavor, a little retro. I love the the five man elimination matches, um, even though I know they're they're sort of limiting sometimes in terms of trying to advance storylines. But just as a match, I think there's so much you could do with a dynamic of you know, being up, you know, 3-2 or 5-1 and having a guy come back against the odds or having one team just, um, you know, just run the table and clean out the other team. So I really look forward um, to this pay-per-view every every year. Uh, that said, this one feels like um, maybe more than most years kind of flying under the radar. Part of that is that they've had so much to promote in recent weeks with the added shows like that God awful crown jewel and everything else. So, uh, it feels like they've only had a couple weeks to, uh, promote, uh, the show and right up against, uh, you know, the, here in the 11th hour, they've had to uh, make some pretty big changes in the lineup. Uh, so let's talk about that. The The biggest news, uh, of course, is uh, AJ Styles losing the WWE Championship on Tuesday night at SmackDown uh, to Daniel Bryan. Felt kind of impromptu. And um, the other part of it is it, it seems like we've got a heel Daniel Bryan now. And I would guess, I, I don't know that they're yet to say this officially, I guess that means Daniel Bryan versus... Uh, Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series, or maybe not. I'm not sure. I mean, I, if, if the gimmick is champion versus champion, that would suggest it would be Daniel Bryan. But actually, I'm going to look at the website right now. Do you know one way or the other what they're doing? No, I don't think there's been an official announcement. I think that the thought is Daniel Bryan versus uh, Brock Lesnar, but I don't know if that's been officially confirmed. Yeah, um, and that'd be sort of tricky because are they both heels now? I mean, I, uh, I don't know. Um, Anyway, what's your thoughts on the whole thing? You know, AJ uh, ends a pretty historic run. He he made it uh, more than a year with the title. I thought was doing still a terrific uh, job as champion. Can't complain about Daniel Bryan being champion, but this is not, I think, how many, if any of us, thought he would get there. Yeah, it, it's disappointing. I mean, it, it's like it's akin to if you think of uh, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat and their classic feud in, in the late eighties in the NWA um, for the NWA world title. Uh, if you imagine that championship, the, the title change happening on an unannounced match on WCW Saturday night, you know, or the, the Saturday night show or something like that, as opposed to weeks of bill leading to a big pay-per-view, big money match, this just kind of happened out of nowhere. And it, it wasn't, I mean, here are two of the best technicians, two of the best five-star guys in, in the company, and they put them out there on TV, and it's a low blow, heel turn, title change, and, and that's it. And I guess it's exciting. I mean, it, it definitely makes uh, SmackDown, it, it reminds you to tune into SmackDown, that it's not just the B show, the, you know, hey, catch up on it when you can, read the recaps and, and follow it. Big things can still happen, which is good. But you have two of the best in-ring performers in really in the company's history. And they just kind of hot shot a title change. It doesn't seem to make any sense. It's right before a big pay-per-view. There's no lead up. Um, it, it just feels kind of cheap. It is cheapened. 
Um, and I guess that gets a little bit more heat on Daniel Bryan, uh, but is that needed? You know, I don't, I don't know. It, it, the way it was done just seems very knee-jerky, and it seems to me that they were looking ahead at WrestleMania and said, whatever the plans are for WrestleMania, we need to start getting things in line, and uh, we need to do it right away. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they pulled the trigger on the title change, and, and there we go. Now, yeah. Daniel Bryan is champion. It's not a bad thing. And Daniel right. Bryan against Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series can be a really exciting, interesting And that match. is official. I'm but, on their webpage, and, and they are advertising Brock Lesnar and Daniel Bryan. Okay. Uh, yeah. Terrific. But, but the way it was done was just very kind of cheap and um, half-assed, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And, and it puts you in the position, um, uh, puts us in the position of... Uh, sort of not being totally up for what should be um, a, a really exciting match because we're lamenting the loss of what we also thought was going to be a really terrific match, which was AJ and Brock Lesnar, which we saw last year, and it was fantastic. And I didn't hear anybody complaining about getting it again um, this year. I mean, I think if anything, uh, I even sort of toyed the, with the idea of can they just this become a thing at Survivor Series every year Brock Lesnar and, and AJ Styles uh, wrestle um, and I thought they had terrific chemistry and and again I think Daniel Bryan and, and Brock will have a great match too but it, it puts you in this position of being like, sort of like not that happy about it a little down about what should be uh, an exciting match and then there's just again the, the booking of it I mean it's a little it does feel that in in um, the the absence of Roman Reigns and being dealt that that card a few weeks ago with his departure, that there has been kind of a scramble, and um, you're seeing some kind of impulsive decisions. And maybe some of it is is necessary because they are scrambling and they they have had to scramble, um, but some questionable decisions. I mean. Um, you know, we haven't talked to since Crown Jewel, where a lot of people assumed that would be the coronation of Braun Strowman. Instead, they went with with Brock Lesnar, which caught some people by surprise. Uh, and then the decision to take it off of AJ, and now you've got uh, are they again? Are they two heels now wrestling each other? Is Brock a, a babyface? Uh, it's just. It's a little bit of a mess, um, and uh, we'll see. I'm willing to to, to uh, let it see how let let it play out. Um, the the other big uh, part of it was uh, the development with Becky Lynch. So I think that match was was probably as anticipated as any. Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey uh, at Survivor Series. Uh, it really had kind of maybe even more than than Brock and and AJ did have this big match feel, especially coming off that angle Monday night, which I thought maybe more than anything else that's happened with um, Becky Lynch in these last several months. And she's been slowly kind of gaining steam, gaining momentum. Uh, that really put her over the top. And I thought that was the, st- the star making uh, performance. And as is always uh, uh, the case with, with pro wrestling, what really got her over was the stuff that wasn't planned. It was her, uh, you know, that swagger strutting out of the ring, confident, bloody face, having just, you know, uh, taken down uh, WWE's top star, 
Uh, it was just, again, a star-making performance. Unfortunately, the flip side of that is that she suffered, um, apparently, a pretty serious concussion. A, and, a and broken face. A broken face. Yeah, that is the, the clinical saying, diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it took her out of the match, and then they announce uh, on Tuesday night that she's out and Charlotte is in. So they're doing Charlotte and Ronda. And again, all kinds of, of bigger ramifications. Uh, we talked a lot about it. The, the, the expectation was that was not just a match that they were planning for WrestleMania, but there was some talk that that was going to be the main event of WrestleMania. Um, presumably, that's out the window now. Uh, and the again, so many layers of this. Uh, there is at least a potential that what this means is that they flip and now the plan for WrestleMania will be Becky versus Ronda. And so in a, in a roundabout way, way, there's the potential at least that this all bodes well for Becky. The, you know, her, her getting her nose broken on Monday night could lead uh, her to uh, having a marquee match at WrestleMania, maybe even the main event of WrestleMania. That still seems like a little bit of wishful thinking. Um, but anyway, there, there is a mouthful. What, what are your thoughts on, on this week's developments with the women? All right. Yeah. There's like you said, there's a lot there, but here's the thing. Um, Charlotte versus, uh, Ronda Rousey did seem like a WrestleMania potential main event. Uh, mostly because of Ronda, Ronda Rousey has all the momentum. She's got the marquee name. She's, she's the hot hand. And Charlotte has been the person that WWE, the woman that WWE has been behind for the past three years. Uh, Charlotte had the feud with Sasha Banks where they were even Steven and they kind of de-escalated Sasha and went with Charlotte. Um, for better or for worse, Charlotte was their pick until Becky Lynch caught fire and Becky Lynch kind of got over more and more and more um, and, and to the point where it was like Steve Austin in, in a lot of ways coming up in, in, in the late nineties, um, you know, especially with his feud against, uh, Bret Hart, uh, again, the double turn at WrestleMania was a 13, I think, yep. um, where, you know, he's bloody and passes out from the pain rather than tap out to the sharpshooter and Bret Hart's furious and Bret Hart heals on him and Steve Austin becomes a baby face. There, there almost feels like that. I mean, not as dramatic as that one moment, but over the past two or three months, that's kind of been Becky Lynch's arc where she's been this very frustrated heel who's so frustrated, but she's vindicated because everything she says is, is really based in fact. And the fact is she's, she's right. And the fans see that and it, it kind of makes her that baby face. So, okay, this brawl happens and she takes a punch to the face from Nia Jax, who for the Lord above, for, for all that's good in the world, I do not understand in the world how she has a job in professional <laughs> wrestling. But well, let, let's, uh, before you go for it, let, let's talk a little bit about about that. Um, you know, is, is this accidents happen? Is this uh, recklessness? Is this a bigger indictment on on Nia Jax? Nia Jax has had of is some very questionable moves throughout her WWE career. I know she's related to, to the, the rock and the rocks family and Roman Reigns by extension and, 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 uh, Leah Maivia and, and she's got a lot of friends backstage and, and that's great. And she's, she's big and she's strong and she's marketable in, in WWE's eyes, uh, but she's just terrible in the ring. And she has been 
since she's debuted and she's injured people repeatedly. And, and this is, this isn't just injuring somebody. This is injuring somebody, but it was a, a brawl during a show, which it's an angle. No one's supposed to get hurt. It's, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be pretty much as safe as things get. And instead you took out your arguably right now, WWE's top rising star yeah. who has to sit out a pay-per-view and, and, just because of stupidity, it, either it was carelessness, which it, you know is is a mistake that needs, regardless of whether it was carelessness or or tired or a mistake, whatever it was, there has to be some kind of accountability. Yeah. And Nia Jax uh, once again injured somebody, ruined a scheduled main event, and and just threw a monkey wrench in the entire plan. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's no. There's no value. Um, I, I thought of this earlier. Uh, Stan Hansen injured Bruno San Martino. He, he hit him with the body slam and, and didn't tuck Bruno's head all the way, and Bruno broke his neck. And that was that whole storyline that Stan Hansen bro- broke uh, Bruno's neck. And they made it to seem like it was the lariat that did it, but it was actually just a, a bad body slam. I mean, accidents happen, like you said. Uh, that was Stan Hansen, who was the top draw in the biggest program in the company in, in a very kind of freak accident. And it made uh, a rematch that sold out Chase Stadium. This was a schmoz at the end of the show where somebody punched the top star, knocked her out of a pay-per-view with no anything. No, uh, it, it can't be compared. It's not just accidents happen. It was well, carelessness I, I, I... and laziness. Yes, I, I, I dispute, though, that they, you can't get anything out of it. I mean, for one, as I think I talked about, um, in the end, this might have all helped uh, Becky if, if it does uh, lead to the two matches being swapped and her essentially headlining WrestleMania. Um, also, I think you could go to Becky Lynch and Nia Jax now. You've got a little bit of a, a built-in feud there. I mean, how much do people want to see that? It's also the issue that they're two different brands. Nobody but wants you could to do that. it. Nobody yeah, wants but they that. do value Nia Jax. True. She is a, a name there. Uh, and, and it would be a, a big win for Becky if you put them together at, you know, the Rumble or something like that. This isn't just a shot at Nia Jax, but it's an old wrestling axiom, and Jim Cornette has said it, and Bobby Heenan has said it, but Nia Jax is the kind of person who, who couldn't draw flies with two handfuls of dog poop in her hands, right? Like, she's not drawing. Nobody go. Nobody go. Has Have you ever met anyone who's gone to a wrestling show to see Nia Jax? I don't, but I don't a, know if that's draw. the case for, for most of them. I don't think that's that show, different but... than most of the women. I think you could say that about Carmella, about, um, you know, even Asuka to, to, to some extent. I think there are very few women. There's very few acts who you can point uh, at as being legit draws. I don't know that Nia is any more or any less of one. I mean, she was in a pretty marquee match at WrestleMania, was put over. So I don't know. Again, I'm no, I'm no big fan. I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, defending her, uh, but I, I think, you you know, I think if you did Becky versus Nia uh, again at a Royal Rumble or something, I think that is a, a decent, a featured match and could be an important uh, stepping stone in, in kind of building Becky into being this top contender for, um, well, I was going to say the world title. She, was, she already is the world champion, but but the top act in the company going up against Ronda. Well, that is, that is a, the big question is, and that is a good point, that that, that could happen. I could see that, that role being filled with a, a Nia Jax match. But 
now the question is, is Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey better served for a WrestleMania potential main event or a featured match, if not the main event? And yeah, it, it seems great. It seems great right now in November of yeah, 2018. But what about six months from now? Mm-hmm. I mean, can WWE keep uh, Becky this hot? Can they keep Ronda this hot? Can they can they really kind of keep this this because it's already at, at the boil level. This feud's already there. They're already sniping back and forth on social media. <laughs> Six months from now, are they going to be able to maintain that kind of heat and, and keep that type of intensity going? Well, there are a few things that they could do between now and then. I, mean, I think one of the things that we've seen that has been a good development is that they seem to be uh, more kind of naturally embracing fan support uh, of Becky, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the whole uh, tweener role, not quite a baby face, not quite a heel, but if anybody is sort of fit for that character, I think in all of WWE, it's Becky uh, right now, which is such an odd thing to say. Somebody who I don't even think was, you know, that much of a factor just a few months ago, but she's really tapped into something. And uh, the, the irony is that as much as people were down on her heel turn, I don't think she would have gotten there without the heel turn because I think what has really kind of gotten her over the the end zone in terms of, of this fan um, support and popularity is having that edge that she got only after she turned heel, you know, beating up on Charlotte. Now, some of, of the things they've done with her since the heel turn have been a little tone deaf. I mean, having her uh, kind of like chew out the fans. You never supported me. That's, you know, it doesn't feel like that's her, but it feels like finally they got to what, you know, that character really is the man. I, I think that's fantastic. And, and again, as is so often the case, you feel like the one who, who really got it is Becky uh, on social media in just the way she carries herself in interviews. She does. She knows what that character is better than anybody in, in WWE creative. Uh, does. Uh, and so and here's the tricky part, right? As long as, as you don't kind of um, micromanage and just let her handle it, right? I mean, I, I, some of it takes some blind faith that she she knows this character, she knows how to handle it. Give her some rope here over the next several months. And hopefully, theoretically, it could only get hotter because, yes, it feels really hot right now, but I do think there's a ways to go where she could be uh, an even bigger act. And maybe it is a blessing in disguise that she doesn't get Ronda right now and does take a step back and does take on the, the Nia Jaxes and whoever it would be, Carmella, Asuka, start building up that resume, and then take on um, the big, big star, uh, Ronda Rousey. The thing is, the thing is, there's never been a woman who's had that kind of staying power. Um, men have had it. You've had a lot of men. John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, uh, Punk. Go down the line, Daniel Bryan. I mean, Daniel Bryan's a 20-year vet almost at this point. Um, you know, there have been guys who have stayed... And, and maintain popularity for a prolonged period of time. Women don't tend to. Um, they might have a two or three year period of, of time where they're really on top. Maybe Trish Stratus, uh, you know, during her prime was, was probably the best. And that might've been two, two and a half years. Um, 
even when Sasha Banks is very hot, and, and maybe she will recover the, the fire that she had a couple years ago, that was maybe 18 months. Uh, it's, it's, it has not happened where a woman has made, maintained popularity for a year, year and a half, two year time period, really, or, or more. Um, certainly not at the level of top, you know, potential WrestleMania headliner. And whether Becky can maintain this and Ronda can maintain it and they can both maintain it, that hasn't happened yet. Um, I'd like to see it happen. We'll see if WWE has the infrastructure to make it happen in terms of giving them storylines and not overexposing anybody. But uh, it hasn't happened yet, and I'm worried that uh, by the time January rolls around and the WrestleMania card starts getting filled out, uh, this may feel like it's kind of old and played out and gets uh, kind of pushed to the back burner. Well, I, I think what they need to do is is really pull back, right? So uh, if the plan is to do Ronda and Becky at WrestleMania, then essentially this feud is over for now, right? And, and I think that's the way it's got to be. Ronda and Charlotte will play out however it does uh, on Sunday night, and Ronda goes back to Raw and feuds with whoever is next up, whether it's Natty or Ruby Riot or, or whoever it'll be over the next several months. And uh, on SmackDown, Becky will take on whoever. Again, she'll she'll go through the women there. And then sometime down the line, whatever it is, four or five months from now, you revisit this and you go back to the, the video of uh, Becky armbarring uh, Ronda backstage and Becky with a, you know, bloody nose uh, invading Raw. And and then it will it'll still feel relatively fresh. I mean, it, it's a shame that whenever you feel like, you know, you've got something so special, like just, uh, you know, served up on a platter, there's always this nervousness, rightfully so, that WWE's going to ruin it, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> I, I, I just picture um, an angle with uh, Becky Lynch in a giant truck, like running over Ronda Rousey or something like that. That's the kind of stuff that they go to, which is like, no, you didn't need to do that. Uh, d- just leave it alone. So we'll see. It does feel like, you know, the cliche lightning in a bottle w- with Becky. And I was slow to come around when people were saying this, you know, months ago over the summer, uh, how hot she is. I mean, I saw some of it there, but I didn't think it was there yet. But after Monday night, I, that's when I was kind of sold that, like, yeah, they really got something special with her. And the the comparison you hear a lot, as, as you touched on, is Steve Austin. And I do think that there's some of that. But I think what what's also in Becky, ironically enough, is Ronda Rousey. I mean, I, I, I see um, that, that confidence and that strut. Um, and I think of, you know, Ronda in her prime in UFC, cleaning out that women's division, uh, you know, destroying women in a minute. Uh, and so it, it seems like the like a real clash, you know, more so. And, and I get that why they thought Ronda and Charlotte was the biggest match that you could put on between women. And, and we've talked about that. And there's something to that. But clearly... Um, that felt like it might be a little forced, like organically, it it just wasn't there. And I think that's sort of um, maybe sort of an indication of of where Charlotte is right now. She she's not the hot hand, uh, Becky is. Uh, and again, right. maybe sometimes and- these things are just a blessing in disguise. And and if this forced them to reconsider things and reevaluate who deserves what, maybe this all works out. Maybe we we owe uh, Nia Jax a debt of gratitude. 
Well, maybe, but Ronda versus Becky has that big fight feel. It's 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 that Conor McGregor, yeah. it's that Mike Tyson, it's that it's that pay per view spectacle that I want to see this fight. I want to see it, and I don't think any of the men on the roster have that buzz. None of them do. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, even Brock Lesnar, none of them do. So right now, I think that that's the big match that needs to happen. It's a shame that it's not going to happen in Survivor Series. Hopefully, it'll be delayed gratification. We get it at WrestleMania and the yep. next even bigger I got my WrestleMania stage. tickets today, so I certainly hope this. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 a word you just used, which I think is really appropriate, is big fight feel. And I think Ronda and Charlotte would have been again the attraction, the marquee match. I think of Charlotte with the the glittery gro- uh, uh, robes and and all that and Charlotte's great 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 uh hundred uh, percent not not down on her at all but in terms of selling a fight right uh, uh Ronda Rousey the the former uh, cage fighter you know baddest Imagine woman this. on the planet and and Becky Imagine Lynch bloody nose I mean this feels like a fight. Imagine if WWE was able to get Conor McGregor to be in Becky Lynch's corner. <laughs> well, you know, Becky is uh, married or engaged to a UFC fighter. Uh, right. But I, I mean, but from Ireland, the whole thing. If That'd be was, great. Conor yeah. McGregor has just talked about getting involved in wrestling. If they had Conor McGregor in, in Becky's corner against Ronda Rousey with uh, whoever, whether she has a corner person or not, but. I mean, oh my Travis, God, uh, it, it would far and away, it, it could be the biggest WWE in terms of yeah. mainstream popularity main event ever. That You know, that's not a, not a, not the worst idea. I mean, it, I'm sure they'd love Conor McGregor's involvement in WrestleMania. I'm sure there have been discussions had and, and all that, um, you know, whether you could get him to actually After wrestle the match. Podcasters going to have more conversations, <laughs> more discussions. So and, they'll listen and, to this and that Dan Murphy knows. <laughs> and really, um, Connor's value more than anything is is his talking, and so yeah, that might be ideal. That 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 might be a pretty good idea, and and there are all kinds of connections in place to pull that off. You know, uh, Ronda's association with UFC, uh, Becky's association with UFC. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and any thoughts? Just as an overview, uh, I touched on it before. I thought Crown Jewel one of the worst shows I've I've ever seen. Uh, you know, if, if it was held uh, in in uh, my local arena, it would have been uh, a bad show, you know, compounded with with all the controversy and all kind of the the uneasiness and bad taste of, of world events leading up to that uh, made it that much worse. But just bell to bell from a booking standpoint, from an entering standpoint, just a terrible, terrible show. And uh, on a terrible, terrible show, Shane winning that tournament may have been the worst thing, but maybe not, too, because I think about that main event uh, and just how completely dismal it was. Um, yeah, anyway. Did you did you see uh, Crown Jewel? Yeah, yeah I did. Um, in, in fact, I did an interview with another uh, podcast uh, site, I think Wrestling Inc., um, talking about the women's 100 and we talked a little bit about crown jewel and some other things, but I, I, I the idea that I had, or that, that popped into my head as I was answering a question, you have the different eras, you know, you have the attitude era, you have the reality era, you have the Monday night wars era, you know, the ruthless aggression era, whatever you want to define them as. I think that this is the beginning of the, the kind of cash out or sellout era. And, and that's where WWE is now with these crown jewel type events, these Saudi Arabia events, 
just where it's a glorified house show, big names, nothing really happens. It's overpriced. It's, it's just a, a gaudy spectacle. And, you know, it, it's, it's all kind of glad handing and, and it feels dirty. Shane McMahon winning the, the, the tournament just feels dirty. It's a, a McMahon mm-hmm. self-congratulatory thing. Just like, I forget which WrestleMania it was, uh, the one year where it was a uh, four way for the championship and you had a McMahon yeah. in all four. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you had a McMahon in all four corners. Somehow the McMahon family made the show all about themselves. It, it, they always kind of do. And, and it, and that's the weak points. When, when that happens, it's, the, the the moments where WWE is transcendent in really doing things, it's where something organic happens or something. Uh, it's a storyline that builds up to a, a crescendo. Uh, Hulkamania, the Yes Movement, uh, 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 Stone Cold, The Rock, where it's really kind of at its dregs is where it's just here's McMahon family forcing themselves down your throat. It's Vince McMahon and the corporation and McMahon, and Triple H, and the Authority, and it's just kind of, oh, God, it's it's, it's terrible. And, and this cash-out era, this this whatever this era is, uh, it, it, that's the height of it. It's these sold shows where here's Triple H on top, here's his bald friend Sean, here's <laughs> Shane McMahon winning a tournament. It, it's just painful to watch and, and tedious, and really insulting to the fans who actually support the product. Can, can you imagine uh, Shawn Michaels, one of the greats, right, on, on the, the Mount Rushmore, uh, maybe not of everybody, but certainly a, a lot of people, um, hasn't wrestled in eight years, making his, his return, coming out of retirement, first time in eight years, and uh, two weeks later, it's just complete afterthought. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody even wants to talk about it because it was um, just a complete stinker of a match. Um, wow. Yeah. And and you're right. It well, just... here here's here's the funny thing with that is, is we are we're currently collecting the uh, the votes uh, the ballots for uh, the year end awards, the achievement awards, and the comeback of the year award is is one of them. And right now, Trish Stratus is far and away <laughs> outpacing Shawn Michaels yeah, in the comeback thought, uh, yeah. category. Right. right. And, and I mean, Trish came back and it was good. It was nice. But here's Shawn Michaels coming back after eight years. And yeah, it's an afterthought. It's already forgotten. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, that's and, all you need to know. And I think what, what, um, it's particularly offensive about the whole, the whole Shane thing is, you know, if if uh, uh, Triple H heard a, this conversation or or Shane or, or Vince, they'd say, uh, you know, they cost a couple of marks. You don't get it. It's about you know what's best for business and where they're going from here and the stories they could tell and they could justify it all all day long that way. But at, at I, I think it's so clear and it's so sort of transparent that you had the show where everybody who uh, wrestled on the show, performed on the show, made huge, huge money as talent. And so sure enough, who gets the to collect a, a talent paycheck uh, but Shane McMahon for doing whatever it is, a minute's worth, two minutes worth uh, of work. Um, you know, the whole thing just stunk. It, uh, the flip side, it's like it's not like it was this super incredible tournament that was going to be remembered for ages and Shane came and, and stunk it up. The whole show stunk. It was really just... Uh, a complete waste. And in talking about Survivor Series and and sort of the lack of anticipation for what's supposed to be one of 
you know, the, the big shows of the year. It's in 32nd year. It's the second oldest pay-per-view only to WrestleMania. Part of that is that they squeezed this other show in there um, that didn't need to happen, and, and they lost weeks of, of build and, and hype for uh, Survivor Series. So, And anyhow. it was a bad show, like you yeah. said. And, and the thing is, you know, you, you squeeze another show in there, people watch the show, and, and it leaves a bad taste in their mouth. And yeah, okay, Survivor Series is it, it's got the tradition, and you tune in. But if the last show was a stinker, I might want to sit out for a little while. I mean, yeah, you know that's, and I, I think that that's uh, WWE hasn't quite learned that lesson. I think that they're just throwing stuff out of the wall and 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 trying to you know if you don't like this show, then they'll tune in the next one. Maybe yeah, they'll like that. I know. And you know, yeah. that, that's one of those things that happens out. They have the network is that it doesn't really matter. Pay-per-view buys don't matter like they used to. It doesn't right. really matter how many people view it. As long as you're subscribing to the network and, and you know, accessing it that way, WWE is getting their money. So yeah. it, it doesn't, you don't have to have a great show every pay-per-view outing. Yeah. I, I hate getting this negative, you know, because I, 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 when you listen to other podcasts and, and it's just people sort of dumping on, on wrestling, um, it, it can wear on you. Uh, but you know, the reality is just the, that was a lousy show and, and there've been a lot of questionable, questionable decisions and developments in, in recent weeks. Uh, but, uh, nevertheless, you know, I am hoping for, looking forward to a good show, uh, on Sunday, uh, on Survivor Series and, um, you know, we're, we kind of get into the swing of things. It's sort of, uh, unofficially the beginning of a WrestleMania season, uh, you start getting billed to Royal Rumble, and then and then um, you know you're off to the races there. So uh, could be a fun next several months. And again, you know, a, a lot the the upside a lot of of a lot of this sort of um, uh, uh, sort of unstable nature of what's going now uh, on now with with on the men's side, Roman being out, them scrambling for some new faces at the top of WWE, uh, Daniel Bryan now as world champion as a heel, uh, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar. It does feel like there's some mobility, right? It does feel like there's some some moving pieces, um, and certainly in the women's side, as we talked about with Becky and Ronda and and Charlotte, um, and you know there there's some genuine intrigue, you know, at WrestleMania, the end of the night, Pyro going off at MetLife Stadium, who is going to be WWE's top acts on the men's side, on the women's side, you know, where, where is it all going? So. Um, a fun several months ahead. Uh, you know right. what though? You yep. know what though? I really wonder. I really wonder more than anything else what Cody Rhodes has to say about all of this. <laughs> well, funny you mention it. I, I don't know. He's talking about uh, this news in particular, but he certainly has a lot to say, and we're going to get to that now. Uh, Dan, thanks so much as always for uh, joining me. We'll do this again in a couple of weeks. Right now, let's hear from star of Ring of Honor, star of New Japan, and star of the NWA talking about uh, the NWA championship and his family's legacy with it. It's the American Nightmare, Cody. So, uh, as Brian might explain to you, we're, we're looking to do a feature for uh, an upcoming magazine about you winning the NWA championship. Congratulations. And um, the idea is to kind of relate it to uh, your dad's NWA title reign. So, so that's going to be the topic of, of uh, conversation here. Um so let me just first ask you, and, and I know uh, I checked the math, and I guess you were alive for his um, his second title reign. You would have been just a baby, essentially. Um, but, you know, as, as a kid, uh, growing up around all that, was 
did the NWA championship have any special significance to you? Did, you know, was it communicated by your father that uh, of the different championships that, that he wore over his career, this one was special in some way? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, for one, it, it used to sit on our desk. We we moved, uh, you know, when the NWA moved to Texas, you know, right before it kind of closed doors, more or less Crockett Promotions closed their doors. Uh, that, you know, my earliest memories are from that house outside of Dallas and on his desk, he had a like real old school mahogany style office with all these leather bound books and the only title or anything that would separate it from like a master explorer uh, explorer's office was the the NWA World Championship 10 pounds of gold. He had a replica uh, in a glass case uh, that uh, a promoter had given him and it was sitting on his desk. So I, I think I, from a visual standpoint, knew it was important. And then obviously it, it becomes even more important when I break into the industry myself and you study everything about it and you find out this this governing body that is the National Wrestling Alliance and all these promoters and promotions having to give you this majority vote to be, you know, world champion, to carry the 10 pounds of gold into each territory. I don't think there was any championship in history that had a more, uh, you know, arduous vetting process than the NWA did. Yeah, yeah. Do you know if if one of um, the two title reigns uh, was was more special to your dad? Did he look back fondly on uh, one more than the other? I know that you know you you never obviously forget your first, but I think the second one meant more to him only because he hadn't really found his rhythm as a. That's who he was in the industry. Or, or I guess he had found it, but he hadn't found what he would be remembered for most, and that being, you know, a man of the people and a people's champion, and to have that opponent, you know, the Nature Boy Ric Flair throughout that, you know, five to seven years uh, in the mid '80s. Uh, it meant, I think, meant more to him than the initial one. And I think it's interesting. He's a different person when he goes into you know, the match of Harley race for that first championship, uh, he's an absolutely different person from the time he comes around and, you know, you're at the great American bash and in the cage against nature boy, Ric Flair. And they're talking about it again. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think the second one meant more to him just because the, the feeling of losing it, in entertainment or in not in the competitive environment, the feeling of losing it and wanting to get back to the mountaintop, as he called it, is probably a stronger feeling than desiring it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you find yourself watching some of those old matches, uh, gearing up for your, for your match at all? In? No, you know, I um, I don't think a lot of people will understand this, and I always sound like an asshole when I say it, but it, you know, I don't like talking about my dad. Um, I I talk about him all the time, and I and and I love him, and I, the memories we have. I mean, he was the absolute the best father you could possibly possibly have. He 
he got his priorities straight with me and my sister Teal, and you know he just he just nailed it. Um, I think that it doesn't. It's just hard, you know, when you move forward. I'm 33 now. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we still we still call Shawn Michaels the heartbreak kid. He's yeah. like 80 years old, you know. <laughs> like I I do get that that I probably be talking about my dad forever. Um, um, you know, one thing, even though I dislike doing it, I know I do it because he mattered. And uh, that that legacy is it's very important to me, how much he mattered and how much he continued to matter. And I try as much as I don't like talking about him. Once you get me going, the thing I like to do the most is educate people on what he really gave. Yeah. To the industry, yeah. you know how pay-per-view wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for Dusty and Vince going toe-to-toe, um, how he broke a lot of rules with that National Wrestling Alliance governing body. And, you know, Vince wasn't the only one looking for a more worldwide presentation. And, you know, they had a they had a hell of a – just, gosh, the content was so good in those 1980s. I mean, you can – whether you're watching WWF or you're watching NWA and then WCW, just – what a great place for a wrestler. What a time, a great time to be a wrestler, to know you could go all these places. Yeah, yeah. So so it, it's interesting to hear you, you talking about wanting to sort of, uh, and I certainly understand it, want to sort of distance yourself and and kind of carve out uh, your, your own legacy apart from your dad. Um, but it's also a little surprising to hear that considering um, the, the match you chose for what I imagine you would say is one of the most important matches of your career, your match at All In, this show that, that was your brainchild that you bankrolled, uh, challenging for the NWA championship. So can, can you talk about the decision to, to go in, in that direction? I think a lot of people have, have assumed that it was intended as a sort of tribute, a sort of uh, a nod to your father's legacy. Was that the point? Nope. <laughs> Plain and simple. It was not. It was uh, at one point I wasn't even on my own card, and I was very impressed with what um, Billy Magana and Nick had put together um, as far as the idea of this traveling champion. And I was impressed that they were able to to bring the NWA World Championship the ten pounds gold back into the limelight um, and put some cool to it, you know, and that's everything and I there's this moment when I'm walking to the ring and Excalibur on commentary said um, something about this being my destiny whether I knew it or not and I think maybe subconsciously that that's where that that motivation was at but I just it just wasn't on my mind it wasn't on the forefront that's why that I mean we're the first father-son duo to have the title and that's not a statistic that a lot of people are seeing. Uh, if you know anything about me behind the scenes, I'm pretty adamant that people don't mention my dad. <laughs> I'm pretty adamant that people don't use footage of him or speak of him in interviews. Um, and, and in this case, actually, it's just one of those nights where I couldn't escape it. You know, like, I say no, but come on, uh, you know, I can't be an idiot either. You know, there's a reason I, I flanked myself with DDP and uh, Glacier because those were two guys who were dusty guys. It wasn't like, hey, here's two uh, Cody's friends. I could have walked out with Matt and Nick, you know. Um, but it was two guys that were loyal to my dad to the end. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, as much as I thought I'm not going to be Dusty's son today, there's probably never more of a day that I was Dusty's son uh, than all in. Yeah, yeah, and I think that also is the case for the, the match itself, which for me and a lot of people I talked to was the best thing on that show um, because of the, the emotion of it. And I, I don't need to tell you, your, your, your dad was not the – the most acrobatic wrestler uh, in the world, but what he did was convey emotion in his matches, tell a story in his matches, and that really came through in, in that one. And, and certainly with the talent you had in All In, there was no uh, uh, shortage of, of acrobatics, of athleticism, but your match really stood apart in, in that it was this really emotional, dramatic uh, story. Uh, can you talk about how much of that was by design, whether inspired uh, uh, by your dad consciously or, or, or subconsciously, or did, did that just feel like the right fit for this match? I think the whole event is inspired by what it's like to be a fan. Um, and a lot of our fandom starts with watching wrestling with our dad, <laughs> watching wrestling with our brothers or sisters, like the family. There's a real familial element all in and that seems like it's like a higher level of thinking I guess but it's not the if you attended and if you were there I mean you can see it watching too in the mediums we we streamed it on is it was just this constant it was like everybody who walked in there got a shot of adrenaline and and just never stopped their bodies never stopped their feelings you know just sensory overload um and I think I think it's because that's missing in the main source of wrestling. WWE being the main source of wrestling, people seem to have a lot of criticisms of the current product, yet stock is soaring. So the product isn't going to change. Um, and it only makes that thirst – I don't think we even knew, me, Matt, and Nick, like how much these people – are hungering for it or thirsty for it. I was really, I moved my mother over to the the Hyatt where StarCast was held. Uh, and I did that selfishly because I wanted her to see what was happening. Because if you're, if you're like a casual, if you're like a hardcore WWE fan, I think you think we come at them from a standpoint of negativity and we don't, but there is no denying what's happening out there in the world. If you're, if you're still pretending, that something major isn't happening in wrestling, that there is not a major shift happening in wrestling, you're just going to be really surprised. Um, and you're in denial because it's happening. And it was happening before All In. I mean, if, if there was, you know, a, a ton of dynamite you right there, All In, we set it all off. And, and now who knows what the ramifications of that are. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think um, – you know, it's long-winded. I don't even remember the question, but yeah. <laughs> well, well you, you talked about a revolution. How, how does the NWA championship fit into that uh, revolution? You know, for, for years, it, it's been thought of as, well, you know, it doesn't have the prestige that it once had. It's just this indie title. Um, but do you think this is the, the, the right time um, to recapture some of that prestige? You talk about a, a traveling uh, world heavyweight champion. Is that something that today's independent wrestling fan is is going to uh, uh, accept more than another time? Yeah, I think um, there's this expression in 
pro wrestling, uh, pro wrestling, what's old is new. And, uh, and a lot of these beautiful things that are hidden in the past, whether they're literal moves that you can do in the ring or, uh, a strategy you can apply to how you build your card or just some of these great stories from old, I think there's something about the title. I don't know what it is. And there's a reason it stayed around. There's a reason that it's continued to be discussed. And when you put your energy into something, whether you're discussing it positively or negatively, there's something to it. So when there's a series of haters about anybody or any title, putting that energy into it means something is working. And it's the same with on the positive side. So I think it has a big place in where we're going. Um, and that's a really cool prospect that the NWA World Championship, this little title I saw as a kid on my dad's desk, is I'm looking at it right now. It's hanging out in my bag. Um, I, you know, what do you so do with it now? Uh, so, yeah. I, I just get, get asked you, so, so the, the the surprising thing to some fans about you winning it is like, well, does he now go and defend it? Do we see Cody uh, make the rounds and these round shows throughout the country defending the title? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I always want to be a traveling champion. Uh, Jack Briscoe, I'm really, pictures really get me. There's that picture of him getting on the plane and that polyester suit and the title and the crux of his arm and there's probably like a hundred pictures of Jack Briscoe doing that exact same thing. But uh, that, that always appealed to me as this, basically, basically this guy's a musician and he's the headline act and he's going to go all around. And these are all the songs, you know, and you're going to, you know, he's there to, to be the thing that night that makes people happy. And uh, that's all wrestling should ever do. Um, I know, you know, there's a, there's a way about it, but that's all it should ever do is make people happy. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, I was real, I was real pleased after I, I won it. I got, um, an email from New Japan Pro Wrestling that just said, and you know, you know, there's a language barrier there, but it just said, can you please wear a title, uh, <laughs> on, on your, on next show, which is Long Beach. And I was, that that did some work for me because I was afraid, oh, I'm going to have to tell people, like, hey, I'm wearing this. Um, but no, um, they they felt that, respect that night. If, if you haven't seen All In, I could see you saying, hmm. But if you've seen All In and you've seen how much that 11,236 people cared about that title, how much the two men in the ring cared about it, how much their fight camps cared about it, how much Earl Hebner cared about it, um, I think you know. Uh, this is a special. This is a special title, and uh, I look forward to what happens next with it. But, but the reality is that the shows that that title uh, is typically defended in uh, over the over the last few years, it's not eleven thousand people, right? Whether it was Nick right. or predecessors, some of those are are, are you know mid sized to small independent shows. Uh, so are are you up to that? Do you think you having the title and and the the, the name value that you bring with it maybe elevates the so so the shows are bigger? It it it, it does become more of a draw. 
I think I think after all in, you'll see probably just a gradual increase in all independent houses uh, that guys related to all in. You know, I'm talking about everybody, girls and boys who are on it. Um, and that's traditional word of mouth promotion. Uh, a lot of people tune in all in saying, I want to see this independent wrestling. You know, <laughs> I want to see this alternative to WWE. And it's just like a TV show that you're not sure about or a book that you've been recommended but you haven't opened up yet that's such a rewarding experience when you do open it up and it's awesome you know um so i I think i think you can definitely help uh you know houses across the country and uh, you know i think it helps the wrestling economy as matt jackson loves that term and i i love it with him because wrestlers should not be paid peanuts um, they should not have to put like eight guys in a room. Um, WWE shouldn't be the only place that money exists for the, uh, for the, for the professional wrestler. This job is difficult enough on the body and on the mind. Um, and have somebody who's dabbled in the acting world just a little bit, you know, just I'm out in Vancouver now, uh, filming Arrow. You know, we're heading towards some big changes in the industry. I'm not saying this, this business is ready to unionize. But it's certainly ready for a players' league. It's certainly ready for a body of folks to protect each other because this isn't just an opportunity industry anymore. If you're good at this, you know, and Vince McMahon says thank you, or if you say to you know Vince, thanks for the opportunity, you can also tell him you're welcome for me being here. Um, and I know that some people will not understand what I mean, but it's not just a thank you for the opportunity anymore. You're 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 they've. You're the product. You're the creator. Um, and that that's a huge thing that, that is happening in every form of entertainment. The Hollywood system, the good old boy system, you're seeing all these executives getting screwed over by their past as they rightfully should, and you're seeing that system get kind of outed. Uh, we're not immune to that either. The the system of the you know product being back in the creator's hands is important. Yeah. Because that model sort of both ways. If you talk about it, in its heyday, the NWA was this, this governing body um, mm-hmm. that promoted them around uh, the country and around the world. And something we have to get on the same page about. And it seems like in a roundabout way, that's sort of happening now, right, outside of WWE. You, you see it with, with Ring of Honor, working with New Japan, uh, Impact Wrestling, with working with all these different groups. And, you know, you say you and NWA title, and New Japan is, is telling you that they want you to wear, wear the belt. So, uh, it, it again, does that sort of bode well for the idea of an NWA in 2018? Oh, for sure. I think the biggest thing when now we look at that old governing body, and basically what they were talking about was trust. Okay, who can we trust with this? You know, who, who are we not babysitting? Who's a brand that's already built? Um, that we're, we're not, who, you know, a diamond that's already already polished. And and let's pick that guy and let's go all around. And I think you're seeing more of that. And I think it does bode well for all wrestling is that there's an element of trust. Say I hired this guy and, and I'm not going to tell him what to do because I, I hired him. I already invested in him. Um, I think that's just the direction it has to go. And, it, you know, I, I'm not saying WWE won't change either. WWE's talent, all the talent they have, they're all getting older. And the older you are, the less likely you are to listen to, you know, 13 writers who've 
can't know how to do this or the less likely you are to listen to somebody tell you how to go out there and do your interview when you know the content better than anybody else because you've been living and breathing it. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think it's just, we're getting ready for something really special in wrestling and that's everybody that's independent wrestling, the alternative it offers, uh, WWE and the fan, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what becomes of the NWA, you know, with or without you, uh, as a champion, you, you know, uh, of Billy Corgan's vision for the company. He's got some high hopes for it. Um, do you think they're onto something? Is this a resurgence of the NWA? Oh yeah, I, I don't think Billy um, invested in this um, on a on a whim. I think this was a pretty surgical maneuver, and it's actually pretty good that he got his feathers his feathers ruffled a little bit when he came to Impact and TNA because he learned um, and he adapted. And when you're able to see what all – they had all these resources, but they weren't able to manage all these resources, he was able to pick, okay, here's what you really need. Here's who you really need. Um, we can cut all this out. So he's like trial by fire. I have a ton of respect for for Billy, his plan. And almost everything that guy says is like a quote that you could put on the back of a book. He's just a real, a real good motivator. Um, and also not somebody um, – Nobody tells Billy before he goes on stage, hey, you know, play 1979 like this tonight. He plays it like he wants to. Now, he's around great musicians and collaborators, and that discussion happens amongst the artists themselves. But I think that's that's something he has a high respect for pro wrestling. It bleeds. People realize that. And uh, I will, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Billy. Yeah, yeah. All right, Cody. Thank you so much for taking the time here. I really appreciate it. Uh, you gave me plenty to put together a good feature. Sure, man. Thank you very yeah. much. Okay, man. I appreciate it. Have a good night. Have a good one, buddy. Take care.